Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that explores God's Word while enjoying the fruits of God's creation. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast, and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let us join our hosts, Michael and Anthony, for this week's discussion. Welcome back to episode number 85 of the Beers and Bible podcast. I am Anthony. And I am Michael. And we are happy to have another week to drink beer with you and relax and enjoy the Bible and discuss things. How you doing, Michael? Man, I am good. We have been busy. Um, I had to work from home one day this week because my son was sick. And then I'm taking tomorrow off because I have earned it, I think. Um, Heck yeah. We're actually going up to uh, go camping for a couple of days over the weekend. So we're nice. going up early and uh, going to enjoy that. And... Uh, it's going to be a good time. How about you? What's going on with you? Man, we are, I'm in the same boat with you in the busyness, man. We are, we're busy. We are a growing uh, company. Uh, I think I mentioned a couple of times we're expanding. And so we have, uh, and when in that expansion, we have picked up more work to do, uh, as typically is the case. So we've been doing uh, doing that. But uh, other than that, we're just, uh, we're rolling into summer as a family. We, uh, uh, tonight, as we record tonight, I'm I'm home alone because my family jumped ship to go down to the beach for for a couple of days with uh, the other part of my family, uh, my parents and all them. So they're hanging out down there, and they left me here to work and take care of the house and feed the cats and all that fun stuff. Someone has to. <laughs> Somebody has. I to. mean, with actually with cats, you probably could leave like food out for like two weeks and they'd be oh. fine. No, 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 not with my cats. Oh, not your cats. Okay. No, you. If you, if I put out like two weeks worth of food, they would eat it in two days. No, and then they'd be <laughs> they they would just be hungry for the next four, 12 days or whatever. So, um, Anthony, let's get in yes. our beer review tonight. What are you drinking? So tonight I have from the and I'm going to try this chandelier 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 like brewing sh- island brewing company chandelier chandelier. You would think, uh, since they're an hour away from me, that I would know how to pronounce it, but alas, I do not know how to pronounce it. Um, Chandelure Island Brewing Company. I have the pineapple wheat. It's called H90 Surfside. Um, it is as plain as it comes, I think, as far as just flavored wheats go. Um, the actual website just says American wheat brewed with red and white wheat and fermented with fresh pineapple juice. Um, and the can has... Nothing, uh, really nothing else to add to that hmm. other than enjoy it. Well, that's easy so, enough. Yeah, it's easy enough for me. It's a pineapple wheat. What do you have going on tonight? So tonight I have, so you've got your, your brewery is what, about an hour from you? Yes, it is. So I have got from the Cherry Street Brewing Company in uh, Cumming, Georgia, which is about 45 minutes from where I am. I have the number two Imperial Cherry Limeade uh, Burliner Wessie beer. Um, so it is like a German style 
cherry limeade beer, I guess. I feel like if Sonic in Germany sold cherry limeades, this is what they would sell. I hope so. I hope it tastes <laughs> like that. Um, anyway, ABV is 8%. Um, it's flavor profile or its profile is sweet cherries, tart cherries, and key lime. And so the flavor is tart, sweet, and pow is what the can says. Um, that sounds great. Yeah. Um, my my ABV is low. Mine's 4.8. It's that earlier. brewed with North Georgia mountain water and then two row malt, malted wheat, hops, yeast, fruit, and love. Love is the last ingredient. So, um, it's, I mean, very cartoon looking can. And, um, Pretty simple, yeah. Not, Mine not, actually looks like a sweet water. Yeah, yours does look like a like a yeah sweet water with the fish on it and all that. Yeah. So, well, well, it's time to crack them open and see how they taste. Let's do it. Here we go. Three, two, one, crack. <laughs> Smell test is pretty good on this thing. Mine smells like um. Just mostly cherry. Which isn't a bad thing. I like cherry flavored. This thing is also very red. Look at look at this. Holy smokes, that is very red. Mine looks like a regular old beer. Yeah, I was about to say yours is pretty normal. Of course, looking. pineapple juice is is kind of that color anyway. So right, right. It smells very pineapple-y. But it also smells a bit um, dirty socks ish. Oh boy! <laughs> so Mine I'm not smells, sure how this is gonna go. <laughs> I think I've talked about it before. Mine smells like a um, uh, the cherry pie cider beer oh, that yeah. I've had. It smells a little bit like that. It's got a little more tart uh, smell to it. Um, also, Untapped says that there's a probiotic in this thing. So All the more reason you should drink it. Similar to what's in yogurt. So I'm not sure if that's going to have an effect on me later or not. But uh, <laughs> if, if we have to pause, you'll know what's going on. I ain't scared of nothing. Um, yeah, it's, it's uh, Untapped says it's a German wheat kettle soured and fermented with tart and sweet cherries and key lime juice. So... Well, there you it's go. It's a tart German wheat. So I'm I'm ready to get get to it if uh if you are. There's only one way to get to it and that's to turn them up. Let's do it. So let's go. Well, that's not what I expected. <laughs> that is That's really interesting. Well, why, uh, why don't you go ahead? Because, um, <laughs> well, just because. Why don't you just go ahead? Okay. <laughs> for 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 reasons. Um, I don't need reasons. <laughs> so, I ha I have grown to like fruit flavors in beers. 
Mm-hmm. I used to mock people who drank fruit flavors in their beers, and now I feel bad for mocking them. But this is not the smell does not match the taste on this one. I definitely get the pineapple. Um, it smelled a little uh, like I said. I give it that that dirty gym socks smell. Like mm-hmm. it just uh, it's not sour, but it smelled soured slightly. Um, and so I was kind of expecting something a little bit more bland than what I got. It's actually this thing is really crisp. Um, the pineapple, maybe it's the pineapple flavor that does it. Um, but the flavor is good. The crispness is good, and the lightness, I think, is a little surprising. Um, It's not heavy. It's not super rich, um, but it's also not, like, it's not weak in flavor. It's got a a good balance Mm -hmm. in the flavor itself where it's not overbearing, but it's also not kind of like, man, whatever. Um, And so... With all that, it's, this is not a five Luther beer. Uh, this is not like the Georgia Peach from a couple of weeks ago. Like that flavor was just, it was just there. It mm-hmm. was on point. But it is a really good flavor. Um, if I, I don't want to give it four and a half because I don't feel like it's quite there either. But I also feel like it's slightly a little bit better than four. So I'm going to give it a four Luthers uh, with with the caveat that it's a little bit, it's a strong four Luthers. This this is good. Um, my phone's ringing. I have to call them back. Um, and and so this is a, a strong four Luther beer. Mm-hmm. I would drink this uh, pretty pretty regularly. I think if it were laying around or if I see it, and I'll go back and get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's just not quite the uh, the flavor is just not to a five Luther beer for me. Um, but four Luthers strong four Luthers for me on the pineapple H ninety pineapple wheat. From Chandelier Island Brewing. Cool. How about yours? You, um, have you figured it out yet? Oh yeah, I figured it out. Um, this thing is very, very good. It is. It is more tart than like a cherry limeade from Sonic. Um, okay. If you've, I mean, if you've, I love cherry limeade. Yeah. In in the part of the country where you live, Sonic is like this restaurant. But, like, a bunch of them have closed around here, so it's a little weird. Um, I don't know. It used Son- to be a Son- restaurant. Like a restaurant that, that you will probably die if you eat there too much, but their food is pretty good. So Yeah, so, anyway, um, it's like a drive-in restaurant, whatever kind of thing, um, and they have a drink called Cherry Limeade, and um, I mean, it's really good. Um, this beer reminds me of it. It's got a much more tart flavor. It's like someone forgot to put the sugar in a Cherry Limeade. Okay. Um and the f- so the flavor profile it's comes in waves. Mm-hmm. Um, the initial is the tart cherry, and then it kind of transitions into a sweet, and then at the end it's tart again with the lime. Nice. It's very very interesting. Um, I'm in the same boat as you. I can't quite give it five Luthers because it's not mm-hmm. as good as the five Luther stuff we've had. But I am going to give it four and a half Luthers. Um, it's very, very good. It is a summer drink all day long. Um, yeah. And the the I went to a, a very different store than I usually do to get my beer this week. So um, mm-hmm. this was pretty much, I, I don't think I'll be going back to that store, actually. <laughs> um, but I'm glad I found this because this is actually pretty good. So four and a half Luthers for the um, Imperial Cherry Limeade. From uh, Cherry Street Brewing. I wonder if you poured like a little bit of Sprite in that. 
Mm. If it would sweeten it up a little bit. <laughs> now you're talking. <laughs> now we're getting there. But it's so. very good. I'm um uh, I'm I'm pretty pretty pleased with this one and um I'm glad nice. I brought two up with me. So we're there you uh, go. we're going to take care of that here in a little bit. Yep, I've got two. I'm going to crack mine open in a little bit, but uh there you go. The uh pineapple wheat from Chandelier getting four. The Imperial Cherry Limeade getting four and a half from Cherry Street Brewing. So uh, if you get a chance, go look them up. Go try them out. Let us know what you think. And uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk more and more about the book of 1 Peter. We're going to cover a whopping two verses tonight, and it's going to be good because this is a good section of 1 Peter. So hang tight, and we will be back. much less dramatic than I was hoping it was going to be. So, welcome back. Uh, we have consumed our uh, first beers. I just opened my second, and I don't know about Anthony. He's He's got... Oh, here we go. Ready? Nice. So, tonight, uh, we're going to pick up in First Peter chapter 3. And as Anthony said before the break there, um, we are going to read verses 8 and 9. We're tackling a massive section of First Peter chapter three tonight. Um, I actually texted Anthony when I was look, reviewing the notes earlier today. I was like, "How did you get almost two pages of notes from two verses?" Because of reasons. Because reasons. That is exactly <laughs> right. So, um, if you have your Bible, um, turn with us to First Peter chapter three. Uh, I am reading from the Holman Christian Standard as I usually do. And we're going to pick up in verse 8 and read through verse 9. Uh, Peter says, Now finally all of you should be like-minded and sympathetic, should love believers and be compassionate and humble, not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult, but on the contrary, giving a blessing since you were called for this so that you can inherit a blessing. So there is a lot to unpack in these two verses, which is why I had so many notes on these two verses. Oh, I know. <laughs> I was just being facetious a little bit there. So Facetious, good word. Dude, good I, word. I'm full of SAT words. <laughs> um, so, so Peter starts uh, verse 8 here. He says, now finally all of you. And the, the phrasing of all of you, um, Peter has spent the bulk of chapter 2 and all of chapter 3 up to this point, kind of calling to action different groups of people. Yes. And he is bringing them all together, and he's telling them how to apply what he's just spent the last chapter and a half um, mm -hmm. telling them. Um, he, he's he's going to teach them how to apply all of that. Mm -hmm. um, he uses this phrasing, all of you, 
knowing that some of the believers are going to be like, hey, Peter, um, no. <laughs> and um, you know, there's going to be some hostility, but Peter is saying, you know, this is how you as believers and we as believers should should behave and should respond. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting because you have to you have to remember we've already talked about it a little bit, but just remember the context of where we are historically. Mm-hmm. Christians are being persecuted. Christians are being and not just per, like wrongly persecuted. They're they're being framed for crimes that they don't commit. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about Nero burning the city down, blaming it on the Christians. Things like that are happening, and Christians are losing their lives because of actions like this. And so, you know, if you're if you're normal Christian, you know, you're you're not Peter, you're not a leader in the church or whatever. You're just like normal, I go to work Christian kind of person. And this dude comes into town who's named Peter and he's an apostle and you're like, "Oh, this is Peter. Oh, I've, this is the same guy I thought he could walk on water and almost fell in, right? Yeah, that guy. Okay." Um uh, and he starts telling you, "Hey, you guys need to act like this. You need to do good to these people who are persecuting you. You need to respond like this to your masters, to your employers. Um, that to the government probably, that's persecuting you. To the government that's persecuting Yeah, persecuting you. That probably would not have been received very well or open-handedly. You know, there's, there's definitely going to be people who are like, Yay, Peter, we love Peter. He's the best. Let's do everything Peter says. Mm-hmm. There's definitely going to be that crowd. But on the flip side, there's definitely going to be the crowd that's like all, you know, frumpy-faced, and they're like, well, I'm not listening to a single thing he says. I don't know who he thinks well, he is just because he saw Jesus. Yeah, but I mean, but think about, like, how how is that any different than today where you have, you know, pastors get in a pulpit and call out believers yeah. for their actions, and mm-hmm. a lot of times believers sit there cross arm like, well, he's obviously not talking about me. Clearly. And, and but but if you actually looked at, the example that they've given, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I think a lot of a lot of times pastors are calling out more people than people want to th- believe. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yes, and I mean, regardless of if you think he's calling you out or if he's saying something to you, Peter is giving explicit instruction as to how believers should be responding in the world and all that kind of stuff. And he's providing tangible ways to do that. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, you know, we, we've talked about the development of the theology of suffering uh, in the book of First Peter, and these two verses are really pivotal for that theology of suffering because in the midst of your suffering, what Peter says is that you're, you are to bless people in the midst of your suffering. You right. are to be a blessing to people because... You have been blessed, yeah, and and maybe not materially, maybe not financially, maybe not with power and clout and and what society deems as blessings. But let me tell you this: if you have the gift of eternal life through Christ Jesus, you have the biggest blessing in all of humanity. Yeah, and so therefore, you should be a blessing to other people. Yeah, as as believers are most valuable asset as a blessing can sometimes just be our presence. Yes. In in a situation or for another person because we never know what people are going through and we never know, you know, the we don't know the whole story of people but just, you know, beyond 
financial ability or talents or authority or whatever, like you just said, sometimes just being present and being willing to help and willing to listen and, and all that kind of stuff and willing to, um, Oh, I don't even know, but like just, just being willing to be present is, is sometimes our biggest asset. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in these in these verses, he starts it off and he says, "All of you." So he's bringing he's bringing everybody back into the the conversation here. He's kind of been singling out people for the last few few sections, and he brings everybody in, and then he lists five specific traits that believers should be showing. Yeah. Now, some of these traits are are going to be overlapping with the fruits of the spirit mm-hmm. um, listed in Galatians five, uh, but some of these are going to stand alone from those. Yeah, and I, so when you put these together, mm-hmm. you get a really good list of what Christians should be doing. Yeah, I actually I, I made separate notes, and when I read that, I wrote that these are Peter's fruits of the spirit. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's it's a little, it's not as exhaustive as Paul's in Galatians. Galatians, yeah. I, I get the shins mixed up. <laughs> um, it, it's not as it, there's not as many of them, but I think they're just as important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and really and truly, I mean, I'll, and as we go through these, I'll kind of point them out. But a lot of these kind of overlap into multiple fruits of the spirit. Anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so let's just walk through each one of these. The very first one that he mentions is unity, mm-hmm. and and uh, unity in spirit means that you are thinking harmoniously. You are um, you are thinking in ways that can bring peace, and and you can bring, um, I guess, calmness. To, to a situation, you're not looking to have the same opinion. Um, you know, I've, I've kind of always heard it described, there's there's a big difference between unity and unanimous. Mm. You can have unity, but you don't have to be unanimous. Yeah, mm. that's a good um, word. And and so, so it, it doesn't mean, unity does not mean that you wholeheartedly agree with somebody, but it does mean that you're going to listen to their opinion and you're going to treat their opinion with the same respect that they would treat your opinion. Mm-hmm. And so so unity goes together um, and it combines this idea of sympathy and humility because that's going to be a, a key factor in what produces unity is, is, is somebody saying, I'm going to listen to somebody else, I'm going to sympathize with their words, and I'm going to say that their opinion doesn't necessarily have to be the same as my opinion. I'm humble enough to say that their opinion can be different from mine and we'll still be okay. Mm-hmm. And and it produces this this mindset in people that says, I want to see the good in everybody come back. I want to see mm-hmm. the good in everybody come out. You know, right. you want to see the good of others. You want to see the good for yourself. And and a spirit of unity or a mindset of unity is going to bring that out. Right. So So that's unity. Take us a little bit through sympathy. Yeah, so you touched on it a little bit when you were talking about unity going with sympathy and humility, mm-hmm. but sympathy is, it just means that we suffer together with others, but this is much different than empathy, which yes. I think of as understanding somebody's suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, sympathy means you're going through it with them together. Yeah. Um, and and you think about, like, get you're getting your hands dirty and, and really embracing the other person in their suffering. Um, 
it doesn't mean that it's, it's almost as if you're going through the suffering yourself, yeah. right? Like you're lowering yourself to that, to that place to say, I am going to go through this with you. And I am as hurt or as frustrated, or I am, I am equally as upset as you are. Mm-hmm. Let's work through this together. Um, and, and it's impossible to be sympathetic and selfish at the same time. The, those two, those two ideas cannot coexist. Um, if you are truly being sympathetic with another person, you are putting your own um, thoughts, your own agenda, you're putting all of that to the side and saying, I'm going to be in this with you. I'm going to work through this with you. And we are going to come out on the other side together and we're yeah. going to come out stronger. Um, and, and like I said, you may not be it may not be your suffering. It may be someone else's suffering, mm-hmm. but you take it on as your own and say, let's get through this together right. so that we can look back on this and say, this is, was a time of growth for us. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of times in situations like that, where you have sympathy being shown, um, that, that creates a bond between two people that, mm-hmm. that a lot of times is not broken. You know, that, yeah. that's what creates deep, meaningful, uh, friendships that that says you know it's like it's one of those like it doesn't matter what time or or when it is or what's wrong when yeah. that person calls like I'm gonna pick up the phone and if there's a problem I'm gonna do everything in my power to solve that problem yeah you know mm-hmm. um, sympathy creates that type of bond and that type of friendship between people and and that's what Peter is calling us to as Christians mm-hmm. yeah you know we're we're supposed to be people who suffer with others. That's part of the theology of suffering. So um, the next thing he talks about is brotherly love. Um, you know, and, and if, you, if you've ever done any type of uh, Sunday school class, Nate, pick your SBC church, you obviously have talked about the three types of love in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And everybody whips out their amazing three Greek words that they know, agape, eros, and phileo. And they say, oh, these are the three types of love. And you have um, phileo love, which is brotherly love. And you have eros love, which is, you know, husband and wife type of erotic love. And then you have agape love, which is what Jesus has for, for all of humankind. And, and uh, So um, only because I think we talked about this like last Sunday at church, they actually introduced a fourth Greek ooh. word. And I was ooh. like... What is happening? Because I I was I was in an SBC church for a very long time and only heard the three. You have entered the fourth dimension. They friend. I entered the so they introduced the storage uh, Storgia or Storge Storge. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, yep. The familial love, but I was just like, yes. huh? We're talking about love right now. I should mention that there may be more than just the three you've heard. Um, your whole life. Your whole life, if, especially if you're in an SBC church. Nothing yes. against the SBC church, just saying there may be more types of yes. love than... Well, anyway. and you have... So you have... Uh, I think it's pronounced Storge. Uh, mm-hmm. Storge. It's... Yeah, I think... I, I don't know a ton about it, but I know it's grouped together with agape. Um, it's, it's very okay, similar to I gotcha. the same... It's in the same family as agape. Gotcha. Um, and so that that is a type of familial, but... Um, if I'm remembering way back to my Greek class that was just four or five years ago, um, you have like inner family, 
is this is the story a and then you have like extended family would be more like agape gotcha so. Um, I was it's, just, it's, I just it's thought it was very, very similar. I just thought it was interesting that we talked about that Sunday after, yeah. and I, I don't think I'd ever heard the fourth and I was like, huh, what? <laughs> and then we're talking about this tonight. So yes. anyway, sorry, continue. So, so we're talking about brotherly love and, and, uh, we are to love all believers as though they're family. And this is more than the, the, what we would call phileo or brotherly love. You know, you love, um, your very good friends uh, with a, like a phileo love. You love your family members with an agape love. You lo- and so, um, what we are called to as Christians in society, newsflash, is agape love. Mm-hmm. That's what we're called to, and and the reason we're called to that is because of First John four nineteen. We love because. God has first loved us. Right. God loved us with agape love. Therefore, we love others with agape love. Yeah. And and if you don't carry that love into everything in your worldview and everything in the way that you interact with people, then you're going to end up being viewed as a selfish person. And so um, the idea of this type of love is a concept that requires us to lay down our individualistic mentality mm-hmm. and look for the good of other people ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Let me ask this on this one. Okay. Um, so we're talking about, you just said, brother, this brotherly love that uh, Peter's calling us to requires us to lay down our individualistic mentality. Yes. So is this a interaction with other believers kind of love or is this an interaction with everybody kind of love like like what's what's the what is peter really calling us to here i i believe i, I think there's two different layers to this right because because okay. i think we're going to get into the what the heart of the question is here in a second so yeah. maybe i'm jumping ahead yeah. but i'll go ahead well, and ask the question anyway y- you are and and it definitely it's going to continue to build okay um with our with our christian family okay you talk. I, we you brought up the the fourth version of love, okay? And agape can really be broken down into two different versions. Uh-huh. So you have the store storge storage. I can't remember. I think it's storge. I really do think it's storge. storge. So you have storge, which is inner family, which is going to be what you would hold to believers. Okay. Okay. And then you have agape, which is still a familial type of love that is shown to the world around you. They are very, very similar, and in some aspects, you cannot tell them apart. But they do have their subtle differences. I'm going to tell my wife, my kids, my parents more intimate details about myself than I'm going to tell uh, my neighbor. You know, right. but I'm going to have some intimate details with my neighbor because we're neighbors. If I need them to come to my house and get something, they can do that. So, would so would you say Storge is like? Immediate family, like in your house, or like you said, parents, like mm-hmm. siblings, that kind of thing. But then agape would be more like extended family, we like second, third cousins, uncles, yeah. Yeah. aunts, that kind of thing. People you don't see all the time. Like, yeah. so I guess, but stor- you still love those. You, people. you still love those people. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't change that fact. But it's the de- the details that you're gonna share. 
with those people are different than what you would share with your exactly storge love family. Yes. The and okay. really and truly like your inner family knows the good and the bad. Right. And and that's kind of what I think about when I think of of that storge type of love. It's it's internal like they know the good and the bad. Right. Versus your close friends are going to know eh, some of the bad. You know, they're going to be able to pick up on that kind of stuff, but they're not going to know every single detail. Right. Okay. I was just curious. So, I was wondering I was wondering what the how do we separate the two? How do we reconcile how we love people who we don't who don't have the same we don't have the same level of intimacy with. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, it's hard. It's it's a hard balancing act and and I think, you know, the to to risk sounding like a cliche Sunday school answer you have to look to the example of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jesus didn't necessarily expose everything about himself to the people that he dined with, but when you dine with people, you necessarily expose a certain level of intimacy with those people. Right. And so, so there has to be there has to be some type of balance where where people know you in an authentic type of way. Mm-hmm. But people don't necessarily know every single detail about every single thing in your life, right? They know you. They they know you in an intimate way, but they don't know you intimately. Exactly. Which That's seems a good way to put that. That seems very weird. So, um, so let's move on. Let's keep talking about brotherly love here. So, okay. um, a lot of times, and, and I think the way you put this was so like the way you put this in your notes, y'all. Anthony writes baller notes um <laughs> I, and i know he's i know he's very humble and not gonna take any credit but i'll i'll give credit where credit's due here he writes most of the notes that we have so <laughs> and by most i mean all um so so but he he said that we we tend to focus on the truth part of when we say speaking the truth in love mm-hmm. and, and i think that's very very valid that's a very good point but we as believers, we have to get to the point where we remember that all people, regardless of if they are believers or not, carry the Imago Dei, the image of God, mm-hmm. and that God created them in his own image. Um, and I think you're you're so spot on when when a lot of times believers get caught in the this is what the tr- this is the truth yes. and and just completely ignore how to share that in love and it mm-hmm. becomes a a bible bashing or a mm-hmm. or a instead of instead of showing somebody love mm-hmm. all we've done is turn them off completely to the gospel mm-hmm. and it's and it's not going to be a uh, there's not going to be any fruit from that experience either way we're like right I feel like the people who the people who just preach truth, truth, truth with no love are at, are still going to feel empty when the people that they're talking to or interacting with don't respond to what they're yeah. saying. You know, there's something that I teach my children um, and that I have taught them for a while and I will continue to teach them, and that is that your tone determines your attitude. Mm-hmm. Um the way that you say something will determine how people interpret what you say. 
and and That's I'm going to give you a classic example of this uh, from something that I have observed in the last two days. Um, at the time of this recording, it's June 17th. That'll let you know how far behind we are, or actually how far ahead we are. Um, the last two days have been the the Southern Baptist Convention's annual meeting. Mm-hmm. Okay. A, a little known fact, Michael knows this about me, I am a diehard Southern Baptist fan. I love Southern Baptists. Um, I love being a Southern Baptist, even though I drink alcohol, and I realize those two things don't necessarily go together. Um, but I just I love the Southern Baptist Convention. I love what it stands for. Um, I love the way that they approach church. Anyway, their their annual meeting, I couldn't go to the annual meeting, but I was able to stream it online. And so I, I get I love watching like people ask questions and then the the whole banter back and forth and the business meeting type thing. And so this guy gets up and he's offering an amendment to a resolution, I think. I think it was a resolution, but it was something and and it was uh essentially talking about um it was written uh it was a recommendation that said when it comes to like dealing with women in pregnancy crisis centers you know we need to love for them we need to care for them and we need to do everything in our power to point them back to Christ mm-hmm. um and the and that's not the exact wording but this this one specific messenger offers an amendment to that and he's like we need to strike that language and we need to say um confronts them with the truth of the gospel and calls them to repentance um, for for murderous actions against, you know, and the way that he worded it was just very, it wasn't untruthful, but it was, the tone of it was just very, like, I'm pointing my finger in your face, right. and I'm telling you you're an evil, evil person, and you're, you know, and again, none of that is untrue. That is truth. But if it's not truth couched in love, people will not respond to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've we've said over and over again on this podcast that truth without love is hypocrisy and love without truth. No. Truth without love is brutality. That's what it is. Truth yeah. without love is brutality. Love without truth is hypocrisy. Yes. There there you have to marry the two and figure out how you're going to navigate showing somebody love but not endorsing their sin or yeah. pointing out somebody's sin but not doing it in a hateful way. Yeah. And again, I'll point you to the example of Jesus. The only people that Jesus got quote unquote angry with was the religious leaders. Mm-hmm. When he's talking to sinners, and when he's talking to, you know, think about the woman who was a woman at the well. When he when he looks at her and is like, hey, you've had five husbands. And she's like, holy smokes, how did you know that? And he's like, I pretty much know everything because I'm God. Mm-hmm. And, and then he looks at her and he says, go and sin no more. Yeah. You know, there was not a, you're, you're a terrible person. You need to you need to get down on your knees and repent right now. And if you don't, you're you're terrible and you're not going to be forgiven. It was just a simple matter of, hey, you're living in a sinful lifestyle, and is you that, need to change that. Remind me, is that the uh, let he without sin cast the first stone, or is that uh, a different parable, or, or, I, two, or is I that a different it's instance? A, it's different gospels. 
Oh, I'm trying to remember. I think it's different ones. Okay. I'm, the one I'm thinking of is John in John and the woman at the well. The, the Pharisees are not. Uh, okay. Person. Okay. So, but but that reminds me of the woman caught in adultery. Yes. Where very where, similar. Where the 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 religious people throw this woman in front of Jesus and say, "Hey, Jesus, she was caught in you know in the act of it. She was caught in the act of adultery." Which, for the record, time out. I'm just going to caveat this. They're trying to trick Jesus. They don't care about the woman caught in adultery. They That's have true. No regard for her. They're trying to trick Jesus in this. But anyway, yes. Which I mean, they're not showing brotherly love to this woman. I mean, no. Let, let's let's. I mean, so anyway, <laughs> so they're trying to trick Jesus. They throw this woman before Jesus and says, and they say she was caught in adultery. What do you have you have us do? And Jesus like takes his time and writes something in the sand. Yeah. And, and write something in the dirt, and, and the fairs and the religious are like, "What the heck? What is this guy doing?" And then they all leave because they're like, "Oh shoot!" Yeah. <laughs> oh no, we have been foiled again. <laughs> so, but I mean, but Come you're on, Patrick. But you're you're totally right. Time and time again, Jesus proved that you can show somebody love without con without condoning their sin. Yes, and you can address their sin without making them feel like an ant. Yes. We have gotten in our society to a point where we think that anything less than unadulterated condemnation is is wholehearted acceptance of the person in their sin. Mm -hmm. You know, if if I'm not willing to look at a, a, a homosexual and be like, you are a sodomizer in the sight of God and you're going to burn in hell and, and, you know, uh, and take that tone with them... Mm -hmm. Then I'm clearly, you know, a friendly, a person who's friendly to to homosexuals, and and I agree with them, and and I don't con condemn them, and I'm like, yeah, I just I don't see it in scripture, so I'm sorry, I'm not going to go there. Yeah, but but like but like we've said, I don't remember. It's been a few weeks probably now, but like, how much more? How much more good could we do as witnesses of Jesus if we said? I don't agree with your lifestyle, but I'm willing to have a loving relationship, like like yeah. a loving, friendly relationship with this person. Yes. Because that's what Jesus has called me to do. Jesus has called us to show people his love. Yeah. Regardless of their background, regardless of their sexual orientation, regardless yeah. of their religion, regardless of what they look like. How much more meaningful can our interactions with them be if we just say, you know what? I love you the way you are because Jesus loves you the way you are. I'm going to mm -hmm. show you the love of Jesus by how I interact with you. And I pray that you will respond to the gospel when the yeah. time is right for you to respond to the yeah. gospel. And you'll, and you will change. You'll change, but it won't be me forcing change on you. Right. It will be the gospel working its change in your yeah. life. Yeah. You know, that it, when you talked about that, it reminded me of a conversation I had with somebody. This was probably 10, 10 plus years ago, um, and and I was in a, a, a band that traveled, and we met this guy. We were in Kentucky, and we met this guy who was clearly coming out of the coming out of a homosexual lifestyle. Clearly, um, and understood. I mean, understood. The dude dr dressed to the nines. He had the limp wrist. He had it all. Okay, but he loved Jesus. Oh my gosh, this guy loved Jesus, and he loved to talk about Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so we got to having conversations with this guy 
over a period of a couple of days, and we're like, man, tell us your story. Tell mm-hmm. I want to know about you. Tell us your story. And so he tells us how he came out of homosexuality. Mm-hmm. And he's and 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 I I will never forget this till the day I die. One of the guys in our band who's just so gracious, so loving, he looks at him and he says, "Man, I want to know what was it that drew you into the culture of homosexuality? Mm-hmm. Like what what made you go into that culture because I want to understand it." And and he looked back at us as serious as he could and he said, it was the only culture that would befriend me and accept me. Mm. Now, he's not talking about accepting them as far as, you know, let you do whatever you want to do, but it was the only one who would be friends with him. Mm-hmm. And that's what he meant by acceptance. And so we have to get past this idea that talking with someone and, and being friends with someone is a condoning of their lifestyle. Because... He was drawn into the lifestyle because people befriended him. Right. How much more could we draw people out of that lifestyle by befriending them instead of condemning them? Yeah. That's a challenging thing, man, because we... I feel like the church has not the... Well, maybe the... Maybe the Little C... Yeah, I guess it's a Little C Church. I can never keep the things right. But <laughs> Little C Church is universal. Big C Church is Catholic Church. Okay, gotcha. So the Little C Church, I don't, I don't think they've done a good job at equipping their people in how mm-hmm. to peacefully interact, no. like graciously interact with people who, like... And we've talked about it again. We've talked about it before. We we go to church and we get in our Christian bubble, and and mm-hmm. we stay there because it's comfortable because it doesn't challenge us. Like all of our friends are Christians, we all of our we you know all of our friends go to the same. It's almost like a like the same church bubble, kind like of like a, lot, a country club. Oh, <laughs> a country club without the like without the required membership fees. I don't know um, if you don't tithe. <laughs> Well, that's another <laughs> that's another, week's that's discussion, another anyway. discussion, I guess. But but we get in we get in our clicks almost, and we get in our bubbles. Mm-hmm. And anytime someone from the outside comes in, our our guard goes up like mm-hmm. wolves, and we're like, "Hey, uh, what's going on with that? Why are you here?" And, yeah. and we forget that we're not we're not at church because we want to hang out with our friends or or you know show off whatever whatever good stuff's going on about us, but we're there for an encounter with God and maybe yeah. the person the the person trying to get out of homosexuality or the person who's still in the homosexual lifestyle or the person who the woman who's had an abortion or the yeah. the boyfriend and girlfriend living together, like maybe they're trying to figure out who Jesus is and instead of con- condemning them. Yeah. And and just turning a cold shoulder to him. And I mean I'm sure I've done it, and I'm sure Anthony's done it, and and, oh, I, and, I, I, and I it's it's a very convicting thing to be talking about. But instead of being the ones who are like, I'm not going to befriend you because you don't look like me, you don't act mm-hmm. like me, you don't. Excuse me. I've never seen you before. Instead of doing that, going up and saying, "Hey, I'm Michael. Nice to meet you. I'm glad you're here." Like, yeah. like how how much more impactful could our could what we do be if that was the first encounter people who 
are not part of our congregation, not part of our walk. Mm -hmm. To throw it back to what we've already talked about, how much more effective would our brotherly love be if we had real, legitimate, authentic sympathy for people? Mm. Yeah. You know, so... So well, now, we, now I we see we beat brotherly love, dude. Now I see how you got almost <laughs> two pages of notes out of two verses because we spent a long time on one <laughs> sub point of another sub point. So, brotherly so, love, we're done with that one. Let's move on. <laughs> tender hearted, you got to be tender hearted. <laughs> yeah, and and it goes. It really does go along. Um, the Greek uses um, similar language to like talking about healthy intestines. Yes. Which is a delicious thought to think about. <laughs> um, but but it, it really does link courage and honor together, and, and it's mm-hmm. where the phrase they got they've got guts comes from. Yeah. Um, and, and that's really a that's really a cool um, I've never thought of it that way, but um, but in, in scripture when you see um, in, in scripture a lot they, they link inner mm-hmm. organs with mercy or concern. And so having yeah. a tender heart is is showing mercy, but showing also genuine concern for the well-being of others, the and what's going on um, with other people. It's it's going to lead. That's going to necessarily lead to compassion for people. Yeah, like you know? like true compassion, not just like yeah. on the surface compassion. Yeah, which, which I and think is is pretty. I mean, rampant. I don't know. I don't know if that's <laughs> on the surface compassion. Yeah, I I I, I mean. I have seen too many people ask the question, how are you doing? Yeah. Not wanting a real answer. And not, and, yeah, not actually and, mean and, it. And I've, and I've been that guy. I've been the, how are you doing? And hoping the person doesn't just unload their entire week. Yeah. Um, but, but also, again, how much more meaningful could our interactions be with people if we were willing to sit, if, if someone unloaded on us? Mm-hmm. Like, like I feel like that would show compassion more than just being like, "Hey, how are you doing? Please don't say anything. Please don't say anything. Please don't say anything." <laughs> like fingers crossed. Like, yep. So yep. But it, but it reminds me. It reminds me of Ephesians four thirty two, mm. which says, "Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you." Yeah, you know that that's the conclusion of a of a whole litany of things where where Paul's telling the church in Ephesus, you know, hey Christians, you got to watch you got to watch the way that you live and the way that yeah. you interact. So it's a very similar verse, but it that reminded me of those verses and and it and it just it's again it's an encouragement for us as believers to say we need to check our our attitudes, we need to check the tone that we talk with. So many times, because when we're interacting with the world around us, they're going to judge us by our tone. Yeah. And again, your tone reflects your attitude. Mm-hmm. If you have a stern, harsh tone, people are going to interpret that as a mean, vindictive attitude. Yeah. But if you have a gentle, caring, hospitable, tender-hearted, brotherly love type of tone, people are going to they're going to translate it that way. Yeah. I, I wonder what Jesus's tone was. Like you like, know, uh, like like reading like reading s- verses. I think he's very tender. He's very calm. Yeah, very tender hearted. Save for when he was cracking whips and flipping tables. 
Which happened like twice. Yeah. So twice in his three years of ministry, he legitimately and um, I think, and I, I mean, gosh, what is the word? I'll, I'll say this. His tone with sinners was gentle enough for the religious leaders to call him a drunkard and a glutton. Yeah, that's fair. So, <laughs> but like, but like when he got angry, there was good reason. It was yeah. legitimate, um, and but it also only happened a couple of times when he showed his righteous anger, and it wasn't yeah. a. I mean, it could have been a selfish anger because of what they were doing in God's house, which is his father's house, which is part of the Trinity. So you which start getting into it's just his house. So <laughs> it's. Maybe it was a selfish, righteous anger. Just anger, because you're it's angry okay. doesn't mean you're righteously angry. Right. I'll just throw that out there. That's true. So, all right. So we've talked about tenderheartedness, brotherly love, sympathy, unity. And the fifth and final thing that Peter mentions in verse 8 of chapter 3, <laughs> oh, man, is uh, humility. And um, yes. and Peter, he he's... Let me get it pulled up. I closed it out. Hold on one second. Um, okay. Sorry, I was not prepared I'll say, to leave I'll, I'll here. say this while you're while you're pulling that up, but I love this quote um, talking about humility, and this yes. is uh, from Edmund Clowney, mm-hmm. and and he he's one of the commentaries that I read uh, a lot when I was studying First Peter, but he we says can, that Christian we, humility. We can tell because his quotes have been all throughout, all, the, yeah, all, they have been all, all through the place. So, but uh, Clowney says this. He says Christian humility will be mocked as Jesus' humiliation was on the cross, Mm. but it will be honored by God in the triumph of the returning Lord. Mm. And I think that's important to to remember that that Christians, we don't seek any type of earthly praise or earthly reward for our humility. You know, a lot of times people are like, hey, did you see how humble I was back there? You know, they, they they want praise for this type of humility. That's not what Christian humility does. Yeah, being the most humble person in the room doesn't really gain you anything. No, it doesn't. So, um, I thought the verse said more, but it doesn't really. So, um, so, so when Peter's talking, sorry, when Peter's talking about being humble, um, he's referring to not only your ideas, but also your attitude, mm-hmm. um, being willing to say either my ideas aren't as good as someone else's, um, but also being a humble spirit. And, and, I, and I've been around people who have humble spirits, and I've been around people who don't. And let me just say, as a believer, I would much rather be around someone with a very humble attitude than somebody who's very arrogant, even if, even if their person is very smart. Um, and in this con, you know, this idea of being humble in your idea and spirits or idea and uh, attitudes. I'm sorry. Contrast the pride of your mind. That's talked about in Proverbs 29. Mm-hmm. Um, verse 23 says a person's pride will humble him, but a humble spirit will gain honor. Yeah. Um, you know, a humble spirit is somebody you want to be around. You want to, you know, hang out with or interact with. And when people are very prideful, I think that's a huge turnoff for people. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not interested in being around somebody who has, like, this I'm great and you, you're you terrible or you suck yeah. kind of mentality, you know? Um, 
and I think that's a, I think that's a common theme for a lot of people. I, I don't know a lot of people who are like, man, I hope this guy really makes me feel like a loser today. Like, like I don't, I don't think that's a common, <laughs> I don't think that's a common theme. No, um, it's not. So, but, but I mean, Peter, he's writing about humility from this place where he's very familiar with the idea of humility. Um, mm-hmm. Because he's the one that denied Jesus at the crucifixion. Yeah. He's the one who was like, three times someone asked, Hey, don't you know Jesus? And Peter's like, no, 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 dude, that's not me. I don't know. No, no, no that's not me. And, and, and I mean, ultimately Peter gets arrested. And so he, yeah. he ends up in a very humble spirit. So when Peter's talking about humility, I think he's got clout to speak into that. He um, can sympathize with your situation. Hey, <laughs> so, um, so so because because we display the characteristics that Peter's laid out in verse eight, it helps mm-hmm. us um, reflect our attitude that he, Peter's talking about in verse nine here. Yes, yes, and th- this mindset is a critical mindset of the Christian worldview. And and he opens up verse nine and he says, "Do not repay evil for evil, or reviling for reviling, reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called." Mm. And and I think this idea of of a Christian calling, you know, there I don't put a ton of weight on people who who are like, oh, I I feel like God called me to to go to the Burger King tonight and and eat Burger King, and I'm like, mm, I don't think I called you to do that, you know. Um, God would never call someone <laughs> to go to Burger King. <laughs> Taken from someone who had Burger King for lunch today. <laughs> not even kidding. <laughs> And Anthony did not know that before know just that. now. Didn't know so that. just made no, that up. No, but I mean, yeah, but you know, God does call people to do certain things, but I think there is a fine line to toe. Yeah, between well, true calling and like, I, don't I think know. we put too much emphasis on the idea of a calling. We think, you know, mm. oh, that guy's called to be a pastor. He's way, he's super important, you know, and we. We forget that every Christian is called to be a certain way, you yeah. know. And this theme of of you have been called is something that is put throughout the entire book of First Peter. Yeah, you know, just until this point, it says in verse one, one verse fifteen, it says we have been called to be holy because God is holy. In mm-hmm. verse uh, chapter two, verse nine, we have been called out of darkness into His marvelous light. Uh, two verse twenty one. We have been called to the suffering because of the example of Christ. And then tonight we see that we have been called uh, to be an example of humility and meekness because the world needs to see Christ's example yeah. in us. Mm-hmm. You know, so this idea of calling, like, just because you're not in a, a, a church job or a pastor or uh, something important, like an evangelist or something like that, what we think is important doesn't mean you're not called as a Christian. You are called, period. Right. Because the word of God has called you out as Christian, you are called out one. Yeah, and so live that way. Live with what Scripture tells you. You have been called to do. Yeah, I think that the sermon of a pastor is very important. Like a, the sermon a pastor preaches on Sunday morning is very important. I think the sermon that a Christian plumber preaches Monday through Saturday is yeah. just as important. Yeah, it is. And, or the a Christian, is... whatever your occupation is. Exactly. Well, the reality is, Christian plumber, you're you're affecting more and more secular people in your Monday through Friday or Saturday job 
than the pastor is on Sunday morning. That's very the true. The pastor is there to equip you, nor you know, lay church person. His job is to equip you. That's what his calling is, mm-hmm. so that you can go live out your calling Monday through Friday, or Saturday, depending on how many days you work. You know. Yeah. Um. So so don't think less of yourself because you're not a pastor or you're not a theologian or you're not, you know. Every Christian has the same calling. Uh, guess what? Yeah. That pastor has the same calling that you do, plumber or electrician or, mm-hmm. you know, pick your pick your job. White Whatever collar, you blue are. collar, doesn't matter. Yeah. You know? Um, but even still, that pastor is called to be something to somebody on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday as well. Right. And if he's not living up to that obligation... Then, then, then he needs to be called out on that. But yeah, we'll, again, we'll save that for another yeah. week. <laughs> I, I, th- I think that this quote from Wayne Grudem, that another guy that you, we've quoted several times in this study yeah. in First Peter, um, I think this is a good place to to kind of land tonight. Um, he says the reason given in the Gospels is that they ought to imitate the goodness of God, even to undeserving sinners. Goodness which is meant to lead them to repentance. Mm. Um, Christian. Whatever your occupation is, plumber, preacher, um, whatever, whatever you do, your life mission and your calling is to show the love of Jesus to other people by how you treat them, by how you conduct yourself in business, how you work, mm-hmm. and then be a witness to them when the timing is right. And when somebody sees that you treat them different, they're going to they're going to be curious as to what's going on. You don't have to plaster, you know, Christian plumbing services <laughs> on your van. That's not a necessity. I, I, there's a, there's a business on the road where, where I work and, and we like, my business is, a, is like, we have very Christian principles because everyone pretty much is a Christian. Um, but there's another cause business and it's, They've got something on their vans, and, I'm, and it's, it's, it's in that same vein of like, um, shoot, I don't even know, I don't, I don't know how it's worded, but it, it's we very in your pipes for Jesus. But but it's very like, <laughs> I get what you're trying to convey, but wouldn't your actions mean more than some lettering on your van? Yeah, like like how much more does? And I know we've talked. I have thought a lot about this one. And Anthony, I don't know where you stand, but I'm going out on a limb here. Do it. The baker who has been sued like 78 times by now <laughs> because he won't because he won't bake a cake for a gay couple. Yeah. Like I understand his stance. I and I and I respect his stance because I do not agree that I, I believe marriage is the bond of a man and a woman together. Mm-hmm. In the eyes of God, but if you are a believer and a gay couple or a lesbian couple comes to you saying, "Hey, we want a cake for our wedding," how much of a witness could you be for that couple if you made the most bawling cake for them, a better cake than they could ever have gotten anywhere else? Like, like, like I understand like the unity thing. Like that's a yeah, but God will deal with that. Like, like yeah. my my jo- my occupation. God's called me to be a baker. 
So I don't know. I I, I may be wrong in that, <laughs> but judging by your face, it looks like I'm wrong in that. Um, I'll just say I have a different opinion on that one. That's fine. But I do, but I do. Because it would it would be the all right. So I'm a musician, and I would say it would be the equivalent of somebody saying, "Anthony, we want you to come play the piano at our wedding." And I would have to say, I thank you for entertaining that thought, but I'm going to have to respectfully decline. Um, simply okay. because it's a talent that God has given me, and, and I could not use that talent in a way that glorifies and honors sin. And I do believe homosexuality is Well, and, and I, I agree with that. And I guess I hadn't thought of it that way, but I guess the... I guess I hadn't thought of it as the rub is not the baker's refusal so much i guess he's getting sued because the couples want him to do something he doesn't want to do exactly and i got it okay never mind disregard (laughs) that whole anecdote my mind has you have changed my mind you have steven crowdered my mind um steven crowder would be proud he would be (laughs) so anywho um Sorry, you, you guys just witnessed, like, the complete <laughs> transformation of, uh, well, of a mindset. What you just witnessed was the, the reality that we don't have it all together. Neither of us do. And both of us, myself, Michael, we can both be wrong on something, whatever it is. And when you... But the, the test is that you have to put what you say you believe up against the Word of God, mm-hmm. and you have to say, how does that stand? How does that, how does that interact with the world? Now, there's a loving way, and there's a non-loving way to do that. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, Christian, what are you doing to love the world around you in order to win them to Christ? Mm-hmm. No matter how they're persecuting you, Again, go back to First Peter, the context of First Peter. No matter what they're doing to you, are you reviling for the sake of reviling? Are you showing hatred for the sake of hatred? Or are you loving for the sake of love because God has loved you first? And I think that's the end of that one. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, and maybe this is a discussion for another time, you know what? Let's just leave it there. <laughs> we'll just leave it there. Um, okay. So, Michael, if yes. they want to find us on social media, what places on social media would they be able to find us? You can find us on uh, Instagram at beers and Bible underscore. You can find us on Facebook by searching beers and Bible podcast. You can find us on Twitter at beers and Bible P one. And you can also email us. Um, at beers and Bible podcast at gmail.com. We would love to uh, hear from you, interact with you. If you have any beer suggestions or um, thoughts about anything we've discussed on the podcast, we would love to hear that from you. And um, Anthony and I both have access to all of those. So we, um, if you reach out, one of us will uh, respond. And we'll or both of us might. You know we have, that has happened as well. We've had people reach out and we both kind of simultaneously interact with the response so um but seriously we would love to hear from you we've got some very cool exciting things coming up in the next few weeks and months and we can't wait to share that with you guys um and we um look forward to being able to share that with y'all 
Yep. So until next week, keep your beer cold, keep your Bible open, and we will see you later. Peace out.